Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everyone. Frank and I have just completed what we're going to call the 12 days of mule deer hunting here in Colorado. We're back. We are back. Back to civilization. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's been an adventure. Um, I think how we're going to do this is um, Frank and I hiked in, but we didn't hunt together. Um, he was a couple to, I don't know, one and a half to four miles from me, I guess, depending upon where he was at. So Frank will go over his day one, and I'll do mine, and we'll go through the whole journey from uh, day one until, um, I guess, day 12. Um, day 10 of hunting the first trip, but 12 days in, we came in a couple early, came back and, uh, Frank didn't have to lick his wounds. I licked mine. And then we went back in with seven days of gear, uh, on our back to try and get me one. And luckily got one on the second day. So you Frank, got some wounds, didn't you? Uh, we'll, okay. Well, yeah, we'll cover that. I did. I got fungus on my hands. I got a infection on my hand. Uh, yeah, it wasn't good. So we'll just start on Thursday evening. Um, we hiked in, uh, two days or a day and a half before season. So Frank, after you left where we dropped me off or whatever, what happened? Anything exciting? Starting from the beginning there, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's kind of just goes all into a blur after a while. It was a, it was a fun hunt. Um, I got to say, it's probably been one of the tougher ones uh, compared to what we were seeing during scouting season up until when season actually started. Um, I definitely was seeing a lot more deer uh, throughout scouting than when uh, opening day kind of came around. But um, yeah, we parted ways there. You stopped at your glassing point um, and I moved on to to set up my camp. That first day we got there, uh, I think right after I got camp set up, we had a pretty good thunderstorm blow in there with lightning and a bunch of shit uh <laughs> i took a nap and then i woke up to a text and said are you alive sir because i guess <laughs> lightning was striking all around us but uh i just kind of hunkered down in the tent for a while and um let the storm pass but uh day before season um it would have been the second day i got up to my glassing point i had eight bucks down below in a lower a lower basin um right actually right kind of right below where i was where i was glassing so i was feeling pretty good. There's nothing special in there, but um, we've said it before, not really trophy hunters. So I was going to kind of target one of those nicer four points that was in the group and see what happened from there. But uh, going forward to day one, I'll, I'll stop here and then I'll let you go. But uh, I got up to my glassing point early in the morning. I'm looking for those bucks. They're not in that basin. And uh, the wind's kind of shifting up there. Um, hasn't really gotten consistent yet. The sun's just starting to go up. And I look over in this patch of trees in these cliffs where completely cliffed out and all eight of those bucks are, are uh, standing up looking at me. <laughs> I'm like, what the f- Oh, this sucks. Um, so yeah, day one was, uh, was interesting. So I got, I got spotted or, um, uh, yeah, I guess got spotted by those deer. They kind of took off and, uh, day one was a bad day for weather. It was a lot of rain. Um, I ended up sitting in a cave for like an hour and a half in a rainstorm and not a whole lot of action happened from there for me. Yeah. I, uh, same thing on day, we'll just call it negative two, whatever. Thursday, Frank left, got camp set up, lightning hit. Um, and then uh, on Friday morning, glassed up a bunch of bucks, all was well, went back to camp, came back up to the glassing point and had three, five tents that I could see around me and 
one or two that I could not see set up. So there was quite a bit of pressure, but three of them were camped uh, extremely close to me. I thought they had seen me on the glassing point, and then a guy, which I know now as Steve, took a poop right in front of me. And at that point, <laughs> I was certain they did not know I was there. He, uh, When I say right in front of me, maybe 100 yards down, I could see him reach into his backpack, grab a bag. I knew what was coming shortly after he was coming towards me. I thought, wow, this can be awkward. And sure enough, he dropped the kids off at the pool right in front of me. It was awkward. I had to look away. So once that happened, I hiked down and uh, introduced myself um, to that guy. While he was pooping? Shortly after. <laughs> sorry, I still, sorry to interrupt, sir. I still wanted it to be awkward, but not that bad. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, I went down, introduced myself to him. He had um, mentioned that um, the two guys he was with thought he, they had known knew me and thought that, that you and I were going to be in that area. And then um, here came Omni Warner and Wesley Warner, their brothers. As it turns out, great guys to have. You know, if you you know you never want hunting pressure in your area. But if I was going to be stuck with a couple guys or three guys. Those three dudes ended up being super cool. Um, Omni and Wesley uh, knew who I was just from social media, and I knew who they were. Same thing, and and uh, all those guys are, are you know big buck killers, or, or they were hunting for big deer. So we kind of just shut shit Friday, and you know talked a little bit, and then um, those guys were definitely after something in that one ninety plus class, and and I was very clear with them. I was after something in that one sixty plus class and uh and yeah so we we talked for a while and we uh the next morning um i guess i'll go over my day one um wesley and i ended up hanging out together um and then steve and omni and now keep in mind i don't know these guys from adam we just ended up being on the side of the mountain and it was literally we're like all glassing together not the best scenario for your opening day mule deer hunt but where Wesley and I kind of hiked down to glass, um, Wesley, I think, spotted a three-by-three three, um, when we were kind of walking back towards um, where our camp was at. We dropped down, and then I picked up another buck, and we're looking. And uh, give you an idea how this situation worked with all of us, I immediately said, is one of those big enough you want to shoot it? Wesley looked in the optics. He goes, nope. This is perfect. And I looked and I could see there was a buck that was a good four by four, probably 165, 170. And he's like, have at it, man, go ahead. And so we sat there. And keep in mind, I've known these guys for a total of probably um, total time, eight hours. I've talked to Wesley a total of 25 minutes. And so we're side by side on the mountain. Wesley's like, all right, go ahead, man. And I talked to him. I said, here's what I'm going to do. And he agreed. He's like, yeah, well, man, once you low crawl up over this, you should be smooth sailing. And, you know, it's opening morning. And as Frank had said, the weather was coming. You could see it. Um, I dropped down, got 32, 34 yards, something like that from three bucks. I had kind of uh, took for granted that the bigger buck I was going down after would still be facing away when I got there. Um, it's not like I popped up and was like, hey, here I am. But I got down there and I slowly crept my head up when I knew I was going to be close. And when I saw that main beam coming at me or facing me when I popped my head up, I was like, oh, no. 
he was looking at me, but he didn't know what it was. He probably only saw an inch or two of my head. And I popped back down, uh, got my hand on my string and fingers on the string. And I saw him stand up. He didn't know what was going on. He started moving to the left to try to see what I was. And, um, I, it was weird because of the way the, the topography and the lay of the land, you know, it was like a 35, 40 degree slope going down to them and they were on a bench, but I was still on the slope and kind of, it was kind of rolling to them. And, uh, this is kind of hard to explain, but it was weird because at 15 to 18 yards in front of me is this mound and, and the deers from the legs, you know, the body line up, I can see it. But when I drive, draw back, I'm aiming at the dirt, like well into the, you know, it's like I'm literally aiming at this mound of dirt, even though the arrow is going to launch over it. And uh, anyway, I shot and uh, Wesley said it looked like it ducked. I don't know if it was subconsciously. Maybe I aimed higher than I should have because of that. But either way, I missed the deer. They took off, climbed back to the top of the mountain, and it pretty much rained the rest of the day. Yeah, that first day was pretty gnarly. I think uh, it is a pretty cool point to to talk about those guys that you were with or that were hunting in your area because I think it very easily could have become a combat hunting of the Wasatch there. So, and I I cannot say enough. Steve Wesley and Omni were the coolest guys to hunt with. We we rotated stocks. We Omni shot a buck and and, and hit it, and it was a buck I wanted to kill and. Uh, I mean, I, I spot, not that they wouldn't have spotted it, but I spotted it a couple more times for Wesley that, that he was able to go approach and they spotted deer, you know, for me. And I mean, as far as getting stuck on the side of a mountain with three guys, you couldn't have asked for, and I want to make that clear because these guys, as Frank said, it could have become an epic shit show because we were all after the same deer in the same area from the same glassing point, virtually from the ca same campsite. What were we? 300 yards apart. Yeah, you guys weren't very far. So didn't end up too bad. So that was my day one, a swing and a miss, and then a hellacious storm when Wesley and I were hiking out. It came in, and it was just hammering down rain and lightning and fog. Holy moly, the fog came in, and fog was a problem for the hunt. So that's my uh, day one. So, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds interesting. Um, day two. So day two, I decided to uh, go take a look at some cliffs. This kind of a basiny, cliffy area that I killed my deer last year. Um, sure enough, first thing, first light, I look over there um, in the binos, and I got a group of five bucks, two really good four point bucks, um, and then some smaller bucks, and then off up above them, a few hundred yards, there was probably five or six does all together. So. I didn't even get to a good glassing spot. I was just kind of there on the side of a hill um, watching them for most of the morning. And uh, they ended up all grouping up together and moving into a patch of uh, a strip of pines where they always bed down. Did you say stripper? <laughs> stripper pines. <laughs> um, there were no stri – it was a long 12 days. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> uh, so uh, they moved into these pines to start bedding down. The The bigger bucks um, moved in there pretty quickly and bedded down, and then it kind of just left the does out in the open, and they were feeding their way towards the uh, bedding area. I got a little um, – normally I wouldn't move in on them so quickly, but I knew exactly where they were going to go. So I got a little anxious and started moving my way around this basin to uh, get into position because I knew they were going to bed there and then move again, and I wanted to catch them between bedding, uh, bedding spots, which was probably a bad idea. 
I'm not quite sure what happened. I'm pretty sure I got spotted before they even bedded down, all of them. Um, I got up, oh, popped over these cliffs, snuck down in my socks, and uh, proceeded to wait in that patch of trees for like three hours. And I'm like, this is weird. They should have gotten up already to, to kind of feed a little bit more and move into their next bedding area. And uh, lo and behold, there was nothing there. So I just <laughs> sat up there for I was kicking myself in the ass. I'm like, dude, I never do this stupid shit. I always, I'm always patient and more strategic. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just jumped the gun on that when I got too confident because I, I knew where they were going to go, but, um, I must've gotten spotted on my, on my approach and didn't even know it. So, um, yeah, the rest of that day, I don't think I saw much else. I was kind of like, <laughs> there was nothing else to glass over there where I was at. So, um, I moved back to towards camp and got on my glassing point and just glassed the rest of the evening, but not a whole lot of, um, action uh, on day two for me other than that stock. And, uh, that's when I was like, damn, I'm not seeing the deer I saw. I, I was seeing during scouting season and I just screwed up a really great chance on a uh, two really nice bucks. So I was kind of kicking myself. But one thing I kept telling myself the whole time is that it's a, especially backcountry hunting, it's more of a marathon than a sprint. It can happen on day one, but it also can happen on your last day. So just keeping, staying confident um, that you're going to have more opportunities kind of kept me in the game there. And, and also just the knowing that I've done it before and I've been on these long hunts before by myself, um, it can happen at any time. So I think having the right attitude, keeping in mind, we went 12 days the first time. Yeah. 12 so, days with no shower, 12. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think one thing that's huge on these backcountry hunts, especially when you're by yourself, it's not so bad when you're with, when you're with a buddy, but keeping the right state of mind and having a good attitude is probably the most important thing and, and uh, staying positive. I mean, I I knew I screwed up. It was only day two, and I'm like, damn, man, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to keep getting up early, keep staying motivated, glass my ass off, and uh, and just keep after it. So that was day two for me, um, pretty anticlimactic. At least I got a stock. I was pretty happy about that, but I don't even know if I'd really consider it a stock because I think I was screwed from the get-go on that one, and I kind of jumped the gun. So I think one thing that's huge with mule deer especially is being strategic. and, and um, Man, I would add to that also going the distance and the effort on the stock is another thing that I think – I mean, I don't chime in on this, but – okay, maybe you might be able to sneak one way and cut off a climb, but it's almost always better to make the climb a way where they, you know they can't see you or climb the extra 40 yards above to get above them. It can make all the difference in the world. I mean, a couple times, one specific, I know I should have went back and put my boots on. I couldn't make it up this crap with my socks, and the deer did not know I was there. I pushed the issue. I shouldn't have. I should have went back down, put my boots on, climbed up and around, and I didn't. Laziness. Um, that can catch it, too. That's another big one. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree there. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty much my day, too. Not, nothing too crazy happened. Just, like I said, just that blown stock, which wasn't really much of a stock. So um, that was it for me on that day. Um, all right, so day two for me, and keeping in mind, I'm probably going to um, have uh, Omni and, and Wesley come on the podcast, and so I'm going to keep um, what happened with those guys out of it. Not that there's anything crazy, but meaning that's a different story to tell. So what happened during, during on their stocks and their hunts, um, 
I'm not going to cover any of that. You know, that's kind of their deal. And if they want to talk about it, then we'll get them on the podcast. But day two for, you know, for me, um, I dropped down to, um, you know, I was glassing up in the cliffs probably around 12, eight, uh, 12, nine, super high. And I saw these deer crossing from left to right below me. And it was two, it was the buck I missed the day before, like a, a good mid one sixties buck and then a big three by three. And they crossed, uh, below a lower outcropping, maybe six, 800 feet below me. Uh, that, that point that we glass from, mm -hmm. I dropped down there, um, and sure enough, they bedded in a, a perfect spot. Um, and I was by myself at this point in time, and I, uh, I about want to jerk a tear. I put on the craziest <laughs> stock. I went down this shale cliff, spider-manned it down this big crevice, get down there, drop my socks, come in. I'm too I, – I, I get above them. I'm at 38 yards. It's too far back out circle back down around i get to 25 yards and they have no idea i'm there the wind is perfect both bucks are great one's just a big wide three by three um you know probably right at four and a half years old the, the other buck is a four by four and after probably 15 minutes of waiting a coyote blows them out of their bed and they run from my right to left out in this opening and uh, inside anything inside of 40 yards for me I feel pretty comfortable with so they ran out there at like 34 six yards and they're looking to their right at the coyote so I don't think they're that tuned up on me and at this point I'm thinking this is actually maybe a good thing you know and this is all happening you know there's a million things going on in my mind in a split second but I'm thinking I'm good and draw the bow back um, I put my point right into the armpit. Um, I, I let it go. You know, I hit, got to the click. I watched the arrow flying, and in the first 10 yards, that arrow's out. I'm like, done deal, day two. That buck took off, and I smacked it right in the back left driver's side leg. And I thought, mother. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they ran off. Uh, up and over and they went and they bedded down. I watched them. They got back up and feeding. I climbed back up, um, you know, to the, to the hole, uh, got back with Wesley and actually was talking with him, letting him know what was going on. And he was watching for this other buck, um, that he was on and that deer shit on my dreams. And I did not see it again. I couldn't get back on. It wasn't approachable where they were at. And basically sat behind the glass for the next eight hours uh, looking for deer. I just didn't have anything to approach and uh, went to bed that night and cried. <laughs> I think one thing that's important to say is that it was a non-lethal hit. So, yeah, because I'm sure somebody's going to cry about it. Um, <clears throat> so day, let's see, day three for me. Day three was uh, probably one of the least... Um, there wasn't much action going on in day three for me. Glassed up a bunch of smaller bucks. Wasn't seeing anything hardly. Um, that's when I started getting – one thing that's always worked out for me is is being mobile. So I started kind of getting the wheels turning and thinking of where else I should move to. If I don't know if, if uh, you can tell from some of the pictures. I was camped out across this canyon. There's like a small little micro basin on the other side. And that was kind of like my last option, and I really didn't want to go over there because it was kind of far and kind of a pain in the ass. 
Um, but I was starting to get that in my mind that I might have to go over there. I, I had seen a few bucks in there, but I'd always see them in the evening. and I could never quite locate them in the morning to see where they were bedding down. So I didn't want to go over there and screw things up. But uh, day three was a pretty slow day for me and not a whole lot happened there. Gotcha. Um, day three for me was the fungus day. And I forgot to mention the first day I was there, Thursday, I was glassing and my bow slid down and the clicker on my bow limb is made of spring steel and the bow slid down and I reached over to grab it and that cut the crap out of my hand, which I'm actually on antibiotics now. I had to glue it shut. So I'm, I'm dealing with that. Not that it's that big of a deal, but I was pretty certain it would get infected because I didn't do the greatest job cleaning it. So that was actually the, the, the first day we got there. I cut my hand wide open. I should have got stitches. So now fast forward, day three, I start to grow, what would you call it? Chicken pox. A rash. A rash all over my left hand. And I thought it was sun bumps. And it was Did you just, think it was from touching your wiener too much? Well, I'm glad I did touch my wiener a lot. I'm glad I <laughs> didn't your get right, it on it. With your um, right hand. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I just, I started getting all these little bumps on my left hand and I didn't know what it was from. From And the more the sun hit it, it was like my left hand was on fire. And I noticed that on day three. Um, we we also, and I, like I said, I'm leaving a lot out of what went on with those other guys. Um, but there was some action with Wesley um on a buck and omni and i were were watching um this buck for wesley and in the midst of that three bucks bedded down probably the lower limit of anything i wanted to shoot um you know at this time i had really only passed up one buck that um was a three by three that was like a two-year-old buck i mean i just didn't want to shoot it but three bucks bedded down and they were in about the perfect opportunity. And I thought, you know what, if these are going to give me that chance and I can get within 20 yards, I'm going to try and get in there. And, uh, one of them was, they were, they were all three years old and one of them was a, an okay three by three. Um, I might, you know, to put in my due diligence for the stock and took about an hour and a half to get down there and the wind changed and they blew out and I had to climb out of the hole again, um, back up to, um, uh, to Omni. And then we watched Wesley and that took up the rest of the day with what Wesley had going on. Um, other than that, my spirits were still good. I was a little frustrated. I hadn't killed anything yet, but other than my left hand swelling up like that, uh, Chinese guy on, uh, that movie, uh, big trouble in little China. <laughs> I was doing pretty good um, overall, but that was my day three. I had one stock when they got winded and uh, other than that, just glassing all day long. Gotcha. Let's see, day four. Day four was actually a good day for me. I uh, got up early, got to my glassing point um, before the sun came up. I look over on this far peak, probably one of the tallest peaks uh, that I was hunting near. And um, sure enough, about midway up that mountain there, there was... I think there was five or six bucks with one freaking tank uh, of a four-pointer, just a just a massive deer, and um, they didn't stay out in the open too long. They fed for a little bit, and they went around the backside of this peak, so um, kind of learning from my screw-up on, uh, on day two there. I gave them plenty of time to uh, wrap around back there on the backside and hopefully get into a bed, um, so I about, I think it was about... 11 
or so. Um, I kind of made my way over there. It wasn't too far away from where I was glassing. And kind of like you were saying, taking that extra effort to on the stock and on the approach to uh, make sure you don't get spotted, I I pretty much climbed to the top of this peak so I could wrap around the backside there and, and peek down on or take a look down on um, down to see if I could spot where they were bedded. Well, I get up to the to this peak there and I pop around the other side and it's nothing but sheer cliffs. And I'm thinking, what the f where did these deer go? There, this is like straight up sheep country here. There was a small bluff overhang that I had to go all the way around the peak to get on, and I kind of belly crawled out there, and I'm glassing, I'm glassing down, and I look down, and these deer probably dropped from where they went around the peak. They probably dropped, I don't know, I want to say maybe 700 feet down into this small strip of pines in between these two um, rocky washes, and it's kind of hard to describe, but if you've ever been in kind of like sheep country or whatever, you get these washes and they're just pure rock. And um, it's kind of like that really gradient rock where if you step on it, it just crumbles away. And I'm thinking, how am I going to... It's gonna... the devil rock <laughs> is what <laughs> I call it. It sucks. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking, good God, man. how did I did, couldn't even figure out how they got down there because I'm trying to plan my approach here. And uh, I'm, I'm going to have to crawl down these cliffs, eventually get into my socks, and then... Uh, and then get get close, um, and I got some of this on the GoPro. I'm not how, I'm not sure how good the footage is, but um, I decided all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a move on these deer. I can see embedded down these trees. I couldn't quite see the big one, but I could see a couple of the smaller ones on the edge of these trees. And I knew with the way the wind was blowing. The, speaking of the wind, the wind just about every single day was cranking, which was made for awesome stalking um, conditions, but it also kind of sucked because it was cold as balls. Um, so. I, uh, I plan out my stock, go get, grab my gear, um, and first thing, I got I to gotta traverse down these cliffs there. So a lot of it was me setting my bow down, using all, getting on all fours or whatever, using all my ha both my hands and my feet and kind of working my way down these cliffs, reaching up, grabbing my bow, setting it down, and kind of um, crawling down, which was, um, I guess would have been was pretty dangerous, but it's not the shit you think of when you're stalking on a big deer. So... Um, Move down. Uh, I get probably a hundred yards from him, maybe maybe a little bit more, and uh, I take my shoes off and um, take off my pack. And uh, well, actually, I stashed my pack up top, so I just take my shoes off. I usually like to take off my uh, bino harness when I'm making a stock, just because that it can kind of be a little bit loud if you rub up against it. Uh, so I drop my stuff, grab my rangefinder, and uh, start making my way down and. Dude, as soon as I take my first step in my socks, I fucking eat shit and probably, probably slide down like ten yards <laughs> down my ass down the hill. <laughs> Luckily though, it was super windy and you couldn't hear it, but I fucking felt I just slid on my ass down this hill about ten yards and I'm like, holy shit, this is steep. Um, I kind of get back up, get my balance, and uh, I work my way into these deer and I get. Um, I first see that there's a smaller deer. He's kind of feeding in the trees at fifty yards. I sneak closer. I'm 40 yards away. Perfect position for them to walk out on the left side of, of these trees because for all I can think, there's a really steep wash on the right side. They're not going to cross this. They're going to come out on the left. So I'm waiting probably five, 10 minutes. I'm not seeing much going on in there in those trees. So I kind of reposition over, move to the right, and that freaking big deer cross that wash and it's 100 yards out. And all I'm thinking is, oh my God, if I was only on the right side of these trees, I would have had like a, like a probably a 30 or 40 yard shot. 
Um, I kind of move over to the right. I climb up a little bit, sneak up, and uh, there's a nice three-point in the group at 60 yards just standing there broadside. And I got greedy, and I was like, man, I really want to kill this big deer. Um, so I, I kind of tried to – I crossed – I ended up crossing that wash in my socks, which sucks, dude. I thought bad. I was going to die. <laughs> and rocks are falling down this thing the whole time. The deer are looking up, but they don't get too spooked. I guess they're kind of used to when they're in those cliffs, the rocks are falling all the time because of marmots and stuff. And they're looking up, and they just kind of they just keep going, keep going, feeding further and further until they get downwind and take off. And uh, I sat there for a second, and I'm just like, wow, this sucks. I climb down these cliffs like my shoes are way the hell up there you texted me i remember <laughs> yeah and uh i was just sitting there like thinking damn this that was a great opportunity to kill a freaking giant and i look down and i hear a bugle and i see this monster elk at the bottom of the valley and i'm like screw this i am not going after an elk after that my legs were shaking i was dude, it was so steep i was i was freaking tired um so i climbed out of that hole and uh i was a bit depressed for the rest of the day so I kind of sulked a little bit there for a bit and um, just thought, well, I guess this is only day, what was it, day four of season. I got, we got, we were planning to stay, I think, a total of possibly 15 days if we had the food for it. So, which we did not because uh, I was eating too much. I believe you were as well. (laughs) I believe we have 12 days worth of food, maybe 13. Yep. So, I I, I guess I just, uh, I kind of sat there, was a bit bummed out for a second, but then I just, you know, I kept trying to stay positive and thinking I got freaking 11 more days in here. um, So, anything can happen. That yeah. was day four for me. Um, I don't think anything overly excited happened to me on day four. I didn't have any stocks. I, I passed up um, a uh, – when I say passed up, there was multiple deer actually bedded that were very feasible for me to get in on that just weren't the type of deer I was you know, hoping for. I was really wanting to shoot a deer that was over four uh, years old and, and just a good deer. Um, so – the only thing that exciting that happened on day four, which was exciting, but I can't tell the story until Wesley's on, was with Wesley and his adventure. Other than the infection started to arise in my right hand from the cut, <laughs> and now both hands have fungus growing on them, and it turned out to be cow parsnip is what I found out, and it's just kind of a blistery rash. So now both hands are swollen and my right hand is starting to get infected and pus where that cut was, but no stocks had happened uh, on day four. Just lots of deer spotted. I just remember you didn't tell me about your hand getting all fucked up on the first day or or even the rash. I looked on Instagram on the whatever day that happened on, and I saw you on your story. You had your hand wrapped in a thick layer of gauze, and the blood was going through the gauze. And I'm like, holy fuck! And that dude, was the second. What happened? <laughs> what the it, fuck happened? It literally here? cut it. It's healed up now to about an inch wide. It cut it an inch and a half wide to the bone, um, and it pissed. In fact, when I ran into Steve after he took the poo, yeah, my left leg was covered in blood. At first, he thought I'd already killed something because, <laughs> you know, they thought I poached him. Or there, he's like, would you kill something already? And I was like, no, I need my hand. And uh, I ended up, um, you know, taking AAE facet gel and gluing it back together um, when it finally stopped and then just taped it. But that was the least of my worries. By day four, both hands were swollen and burning from cow parsnip. I didn't even know you could get that. Tyler Friel was the one after we got back. I was trying to figure out because I ended up having to go to urgent care because, one, my right hand, it was pussing pretty good where it was infected. And then my I had – it looked horrible driving back. It a thousands terrible. or Not thousands. 
probably a hundred little bumps like per hand per hand and it, they were swollen and bright red and and uh, and burning but either way day four uh uneventful other than the fact that i was curious how long i was gonna be able to take the pain from my hands <laughs> yeah that's funny that's gnarly did that cream help that first cream that you bought at the store no not oh. at all no yeah that looked pretty bad i ended up getting a steroid cream for him jesus man your hands are all buff now uh <laughs> All right, so day five. Day five was pretty uneventful for me. Um, this is right where I was. I basically told myself at the end of day four, I'm going to glass in the morning on day five. If I don't turn anything up here that I can put a stock on, I'm going to go to plan B and I'm going to move um, at the far end of this canyon and go peek into this other basin. This other basin I've had great luck in. This is where I killed um, the big, bigger deer that I've killed a couple years ago. Um, so that was kind of my plan of action. And I was going to spike out. I, I could have uh, gone from that spike out point to um, a couple different basins in there. Um, so I, I loaded up with four to five days worth of gear. Um, probably could have stretched it into six days worth of, of food if I needed to. And I was prepared to stay back there as long as I needed. Um, this was kind of close to where I'd been seeing those those two um, nicer bucks across the canyon. It's, I was going to try to see if I could figure out their pattern or where they were bedding during the day. But um, loaded up. I uh, glassed up in the morning, loaded up, uh, probably got to where I was going to set up my camp around, let me think about this. No, actually, I think I I packed up in maybe day five, I didn't see anything, and day six was the day that... Uh, yeah, it was. Day six was the day that I moved over there. So day five, I don't think I saw anything. That's when I was planning on, I said, I'm going to glass here, and if I don't see anything, I'm going to move over there the next day, because day six is the day I killed my deer. So I'm going to skip day five. Not a whole lot happened that day. Day six was the day that I, I got up early and I, I moved my camp. I, I moved, moved over there. And um, first thing, I, I pop over that basin over the ridge there um, just to kind of take a peek. And I spotted the deer that I ended up killing. He was with five other bucks um, at the far end of this basin, kind of at the lower end. There's a small bluff with probably 10 to 15 small little pine trees. I guess they're called bristle cone or whatever you want to call them. Um, and this basin is fairly wide open. It's really cliffy, but there's not a whole lot of trees there. And that was kind of the only spot where there was trees. I knew either they would be bedded underneath the cliffs or they're going to be bedded in those trees. And sure enough, I looked down there in my binos. I actually saw, um, there's a little fork horn with him. I saw him first. He was kind of laying out in the sun and I could see more deer in the tree. So I got my spotter out. I kind of watched them and, uh, where they were and the way the wind was blowing, there was no way I was going to be able to get a, uh, put a stock on them. There's, I just had no approach to get close to them. So I watched them probably for a solid hour um, just in the spotter to see if they were going to get up. They kind of got up and fed and rebedded. And, and uh, basically when I killed my bigger deer a couple years ago, I got up on this. It's a kind of a knife edge ridge with a bunch of cliffs. I got up in there and I waited. So I was like, well, I mean, maybe they'll feed below these cliffs. I might get a shot. So I quickly crossed the basin um, and got up in these cliffs and I got above them. I was, I think I might've messaged you. I was 150 yards from them for like four hours, just waiting for them to, to make a move. They would, they'd get up, they'd feed a little bit and they'd rebed and, um, they, they weren't making it very far. They weren't going too far and they would just bed right back down basically. And there was two good bucks. The, the buck I killed, um, a little bit smaller buck. And then there was three other, um, kind of forky, type bucks in that group 
Well, uh, I have some, I have a lot of this on the GoPro, so hopefully we can kind of make it into a cool little short film or whatever, but, um, they ended up, there's kind of a gap on this knife edge ridge. So it goes down to these cliffs and then it, there's kind of a small pass in these cliffs where it goes from one side of the basin to the other. How far are you from your original camp? <sighs> probably like five or six miles. Maybe. To, to give people an idea, we were already, I was probably eight miles in you were nine and a half miles in and then you were another four to five to the point you're actually closer to other trailheads oh yeah by the sure. time you're where you're at just to give people perspective of where we're having to move yeah. <laughs> so anyway there's this small little pass in the uh in the cliffs there and then it goes to a smaller patch of cliffs and you'll be able to see this in the video I'm watching them. They end up going to this, they end up starting to feed towards a smaller patch of cliffs. So I'm just thinking, if they go and feed below these cliffs, I can, if I haul ass, I can slide my way down on my butt down this hill um, or down kind of along the grassy patch along these cliffs. And there's a small wash down there where I could kind of run or jog. And it was windy enough to where they wouldn't hear me and I can get up on above them on these other cliffs. I didn't think this was going to work out. So I just said, screw it, I'm going to try it anyway. So I, I slide down on my butt. They can't see me, um, barely can't see me just because of the way the hill is. Slide down, get to the bottom. I freaking jog down this wash. And I uh, that's this is when I returned on the GoPro. I had it on the head mount. I start climbing up the backside of these cliffs here. It's kind of a hill on one side and then cliffy on the other side. And uh, I pop over, and there they are at 39 yards. And uh, I go to, so I range them, and then I go to put my uh, release on the string, and uh, the hook on my release is open in the like it's been shot. So I keep trying to reset it, but I keep pulling the fucking <laughs> trigger. I keep pulling the trigger at the same time. I'm like, oh my god, they're gonna get away. Well, they're just feeding. They don't. They. I mean, they're not looking up or anything. I finally get it. I can't finally get it on the D loop. I draw back. And the smaller of the two bigger bucks is, is directly broadside. And I'm like, man, I should shoot this one. And the other one, the one that I shot was facing directly away from me. And like I got of all these, I'm going in through like an internal um, dialogue of don't be a greedy bastard. <laughs> and I'm like, well, they're not, they're not spooked. They don't see me. I'm just going to hold, I'm going to hold back as long as I can and uh, see if this, see if the one I want to shoot turns broadside. So I don't know how long I'm at full draw for, probably closer to a minute or so. And finally, he kind of turns uh, pretty hard quarter away. Um, and uh, I decide I'm just going to shoot him right in front of his leg, his back leg. And that's basically where the arrow went in. It kind of caught a little bit of the uh, hind quarter meat, but it went right in behind the ribs and came out. It, I shot him right behind the ribs and came out the neck there. Um, and that kind of solidified the uh, whole heavy arrow thing for me because I was kind of thinking ahead of the season because we switched arrows um, basically right before season. Our buddy Brian Broderick started a company, Day6 uh, Gear. He sells those new arrows. And uh, my arrow setup ended up being 560 grains. Shot him with that heavy arrow with a solid iron wheel broadhead. Went in uh, right in front of that right rear quarter and came out his neck full straight pass through the full length of his body. I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, it ran, I don't know, probably 75 yards and tipped over and, and I was so happy. I'd, and you couldn't even find your arrow. I couldn't find my arrow. I looked for it cause I really wanted to find that, um, Bill, I want to thank Bill also from Iron Will. He, uh, he, earlier this year, he engraved some, um, 
some broadheads for us and uh it hadn't, he engraved my name on that one so i want i really wanted to kill a deer with it which i did i just couldn't find the arrow afterwards but um yeah I tipped over about 75 yards and waking up that on day six and moving camp i had no clue that i was going to kill a deer and i think that was one of the biggest things for me on on these backcountry hunts is just staying positive and kind of knowing that uh i guess anything can happen at any moment really um Randy know, Cooling kept telling me that he said it only takes five seconds to become a hero, which is which is true. <laughs> it's like a Deadpool thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just a few moments. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that I mean that I think that was the, the biggest thing for me is the willingness to to be mobile um and then just staying in that right state of mind. Cause I'd like I said, especially since I packed up camp and moved camp, I wasn't expecting to get on any deer that day. I was expecting to uh set up camp, do a little glassing in the evening, and sure enough, just ended up getting lucky and finding those deer and kind of putting on a, a bit of a stock and getting myself into a, a position to where if, if it worked out, it was going to work out, and that's that's basically what happened. So I was, man, I was elated. I was happy. Man, I bet. Um, my day, um, that day, uh, Wesley and I, um, and again, there's a lot more to this because I'm leaving all the parts and pieces with Steve and Wesley and Omni out, but Wesley and I are, are semi teamed up at this point in the sense of, I mean, we're not side by side all day, but we're helping each other out. And then Steve and Omni are kind of hunting and basically making the best of a, a situation. And there's three other hunters, um, two of which are camped in the most ridiculous spots in the world, really screwing up the, standard like habitat and moving uh like the 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 you know as the sun moves around the deer move if you put your tent in what i guess you could sell, call a migration corridor where most of the mule deer will move through um on a mountaintop if you put your tent there um it is bad yeah. and for those listening especially if you know who we are meaning on the area where I was at, Omni and I, and you have a guy like Omni who has killed eight, ten deer over 190 with a bow, and he politely asks you to move, and then you politely tell him back that there's no deer tracks here. I don't think deer cross. Uh, maybe you should take a guy's advice that actually knows what he's doing because that really effed up everything for us because those deer we were seeing all summer yeah, were not there anymore <laughs> because the guy put his fucking tent right in the traveling corridor of where the deer moved. So Omni now has to go, dude, almost another mile to get to around to where they are. So anyway, uh, Wesley and I, we spot a bunch of bucks. Um Wesley's still on a buck that he's trying to kill that he had um, hit earlier in the season. So it's pretty much game on for me for what we see unless we find this this buck that, that Wesley had hit. So Wesley and I plan how I'm going to get to these deer, which I do not think it is going to work. But I'm like, well, you know, no guts, no glory is the trip you took yesterday. So I cross the pass, circle through this slate. I mean – it's not going overly well. Sheep, uh, about 14 uh, using lambs, blow out. They're knocking boulders on my head. Wesley was laughing because he can <laughs> see me curled up because that boulders in that one shoot are yeah. rolling down from all these sheep running out. And I'm like, surely these deer still aren't here. So I get 
I mean, keep in mind how long this took. You know, this is three hours for me to get there. So I get to the S, right? And I can see deer on the other side of what we call the S. And I sneak down through those willows. I get mm. in the S. And, and here's where, you know, we'll circle back to it later. I screw up. I get in the S and I drop my pack. I always mark my pack with a GPS. But this is a giant drainage. There's no other one like it. So I'm like, all right, pack is in the S. And I don't see, when I'm up high, I see all the deer bedded in these trees. And I get a pretty good idea of um, what I need to do. So I come down, drop my pack. I low crawl up and I can see a small three by three at about 24, 28 yards from the edge of the S. And I seriously, at this point, contemplated on killing it because it was everything you want in a stock, bedded, facing away, cornering but it just it wasn't a deer I wanted to shoot and I'm not a trophy hunter but I really wanted to shoot a deer that was over four years old and a decent deer and this deer was okay so I glass up to Omni or to to Wesley and he's go saying he's like pointing go up and I'm like yeah you know and and obviously I, I knew I needed to go up higher but he's he's confirming that so I go all the way to the top of that stupid s and now I'm so far above the deer, I'm like, well, nothing's going to see me up here, I thought. So I go about 50 yards down, and I'm still in my boots, and I hit the dreaded willows. And I'm like, mother, there's <laughs> no way I'm going to make it through this. So now I've got my pants rolled up all the way to my hang down, as high as they'll go. And I'm going through, and my legs are white. In fact, I went on another stock later where Steve was making fun of me for scaring the deer <laughs> off with my legs. But so I'm coming in and, and you know, going back and forth and, and by no means am I saying I could have done it with a compound or what, you know, I, I am, I guess, saying that. But I'm trying to say is it's a different animal with a stick, right? If, if I had the compound, I would have gotten those willows, um, at a certain point and waited for those deer to come out of their bed and kill them. But with the stick, I don't know exactly which direction they're going to go. And I have to get so close. I can't really just say, oh, if they feed over here, I'll just, you know, take a shot. Because that shot might be 60 yards. I have got to get in tight. And Wesley was talking about that later. I got in so tight. <laughs> As I go down, and you know, it, it looks like, you know, when you come home from being gone and, you know, the wife or girlfriend meets you at the door and you've got the shoes by the door and the socks are a few feet later and then the shirt. And then pretty soon there's a string of clothes to the bed. I've got shit strewn all over the side of that mountain because the closer I get, the more noise I'm making and the more I'm taking off. Right. So by the time I get into the deer, the buck I killed's in there, that big three by fours in there, two four by fours. And that little three points down to the left, and what I didn't know, remember that tall, goofy fork that kept coming by mm -hmm. camp? That motherfucker was 18 yards from me <laughs> in those willows, and I didn't know at an even line. So the deer had, had moved, obviously, in the three hours it took me to get there, and there's a buck 18 yards from me to my right. I'm coming in these willows, and I'm about 28 yards to that far strip of timber on top and I can see the deer but I don't have a shot and I just sit and I wait and I'm like okay calm down gather your crap don't rush anything you they do not know you're here and the wind's perfect and I still probably had 
maybe 45 minutes before the wind could have started swirling. So I wait 10 minutes, five minutes, and I'm like, okay, move forward slightly, little by little, and you'll be on top of them. And I mean on top of them in no time, because at this time I'm somewhere between 28 and 35 yards. I stand up, and do you talk about pucker factor, that buck blew out that was beside me and I didn't know it was there <laughs> and it stands on a the ridge line yeah and it's only 36 yards and I about that shot that fucker out of spite because it stood <laughs> yeah. there broadside and I'm like you mother and I'm looking left and I'm looking right and I'm looking left and I'm like okay 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 and I'm, I got a million things running through my mind and I'm waiting for those bucks to stand up they didn't stand and that buck takes off and I'm like shift right shift right if that's their escape route because he went off up and over towards that other football field. Yeah. And I'm like, if these bucks come up that escape route, it's a done deal. I got a, a 28, 30-yard, 25-yard shot. I shift right, and I, here's where I fucked up. I took for granted, or I, I assumed that those bucks were going to blow out below me. Yeah. Dude, one of them was still fucking sleeping <laughs> when I came over. So as I'm shifting right, if you can imagine, like, crossing legs right to left looking down – I'm waiting for those bucks to blow out their escape route. Well, what I made them do was take a different escape route because they didn't hadn't they didn't know what was going on. So one of them, that little one of those forks or a three point, saw me, and they're close. I mean, I'm right on top of them because um, I'm expecting them to come up at any time, and I can't see all of them. And then that three point, I ended up killing, and that three by four stand up, and I got to about half draw, and they blow straight down. And then out. Um, and, and then I cried like a girl and hiked back, <laughs> gathered all my clothing. And and what was funny, um, you had mentioned about your boots being where they were. Mm-hmm. Well, my boots were at the top of that S and I was <laughs> in way down. So here's here's where it gets funny. I go, I pick up my pants, my boots, right? You're in your boxers like South Cox. I had, yeah, and that's in those willows. And uh Dude, I could not find my pack. So I come in that S and I come down and up and down and up. And after like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, I'm like, Wesley's up there. And he was on it, doggone it. The moment I hit him with the glass, he goes, walks downhill and he's pointing forward like a first down. And I'm like, must be below me. So I walk away. I can't see it. And I look back up. He does it again. And I'm like... This is a prime example of the stuff we, I mean, we preach, you know, we talk about like always market or whatever. Dude, I came in, I showed you where I came in at the bottom of the S. I thought for sure I came in at the middle, you know, but all that time. I get all the way down there, I find my pack, and now I got to hike back out. So I hike all the way back out. Wesley was laughing when I got there. I was like, dude, I said it would, I guarantee what it would have taken me is another 20 minutes because I would have hiked all the way up and thought, okay, just walk all the way to the bottom. It's got to be here somewhere. He had something happen that day. I'll just, he missed a buck at 16 yards. And I said, well, dude, I was just trying to make you feel better about missing. So I wanted to look <laughs> dumber than you just because that's the kind of guy I am, you know. So, and he and I were joking about it. So I said, dude, that drop, what is that, a thousand feet to the bottom? <sighs> Gotta be. It's, it's horrible. So I'm like, dude, tomorrow is a day of rest. Like I'm taking a break um, tomorrow. And he's like, yeah, good idea, which did not happen. So that was my day. <laughs> That's funny. Let's see here. So day seven, I <clears throat> after I killed that buck, I packed it up to the top of that basin there, and I just set up camp. I 
we'd both brought a couple of uh, tarps with us in case we wanted to spike out. And at our base camps, we had our Hilleberg. So um, that's what I did. I just, at the end of day six, packed the meat back up to the top of the basin there. It's kind of a moonscape up there, nothing but uh, boulders and stuff. So I kind of laid out all my meat on, on rocks. It was super windy and it ended up being pretty cold that night, which worked out really well. So the, the meat cooled. I got up, um, I woke up sometime in the middle of the night, rotated the, or flipped the meat over. So it was uh, pretty well cooled. Got up in the morning on day seven, uh, skinned out the head, cut off that lower, or got the lower jaw off. And then uh, I packed the meat back to the to uh, to my base camp. I messaged you on the dorm and said I was going to uh, be up there in, in the afternoon. So I got back to the base camp. Just so happened to have a storm rolling right when I got back, which was kind of – That was a bad one too. <laughs> yeah, so, so that was nice. So I got a – I uh, hung up the meat in a tree there and um, got in the tent and took a, a nice nap and then uh, loaded up most of my gear and I packed it back up to you. And uh, I got back up to you probably about 4 or 5 p.m. and you just came off a of stock and we kind of got there at about the same time. And um, I had left some of my gear at that base camp and uh, – Told you I'd glass the that evening, and then, um, which I think that evening we found we we refound that big wide buck, and then uh, the next morning I got up and went and got the rest of my camp. So um, that was it for pretty much for my hunt, and then the rest of the time I I helped you glass and tried to try to walk in on bucks and stuff. So um, it was definitely a nice feeling after. See, that would have been day seven of the hunt just to see another person because i hadn't seen anybody or talked to anybody yeah. the, no i didn't see till day eight it was day you, eight you're missing a day because oh i think so this is what happened after after i screwed uh screwed up that hunt or that stock in those cliffs the next day was my day of rest i freaking slept till yeah, about sun up and glassed and that's when i rested most of that day and didn't do a whole lot yeah, on day five because so. you you're missing a day yeah okay so so because so the day before you got to me was the day that I was supposed to take a rest. Yeah. Okay, so that day was not a, a rest day. So we, um, the big three by four is mm -hmm. bedded to the left of the S in the strips of trees. And, you know, Omni, Steve, and Wesley and I are all sitting there, right? And they're not, Steve passed up that three by four. And we were confused on if he passed up because we didn't think he'd pass up the big three by four that you and I saw. Yeah. But it was so far away, we weren't a hundred percent certain it was the right three by four that he was on. We thought it was with another three by four because there's two, they're twins, but one of them's not that big, one's big. So anyway, we're all glassing and they're like, of course they want me to fill my tag. And I don't know if this is so I get the hell out of there or just because they want me to fill my tag. I'm assuming probably a little of both. I could not ask for better guys to be stuck on a mountain with. So Omni and I are talking and I'm on the phone or I'm on the side of the mountain with him saying, I think I can approach it from the bottom, it's, which hardly ever works. Yeah. But in Omni being the mule deer hunter is he's like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. And I'm like, dude, that is a big patch of trees in front of that deer. And for me to come on top, I can't just pop up at 60 and smoke it. Like I got to get on top of this thing. But if I came down from the bottom, it's like 20 yards. So I climb all the way down into the bottom, bottom of the hole on the left side. <laughs> yeah. And I get down there and the wind is bad. It's, it's blowing um, down, not up. And, I, and I, I'm like, okay, do I, should I try this from the bottom? 
And I, it's funny, I glass up to Omni and I'm doing this and I can see him shaking his head, like, don't do it. And I'm like, man, I think I can do it. He's still going to send it. And, uh, but I got to cross 300 yards of this football field to get to where it's at. And I'm like, <sighs> I go back and forth and I actually stopped. My hands were fucking on fire at this time. <laughs> They're so swollen. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go around. And so... I, I hook around to that far left knob and dude, I'm sitting there and I'm watching these bucks. I've made it. The wind is right. And dude, a three by three walks literally beside me feeding. It scares the shit out of me. I look back and that deer's just standing there and I'm like, don't shoot this thing, Aaron. You've come too far. Don't shoot it. And I'm like, all right. And there's a fork and horn with them too. So I let them go. They actually end up blowing out, but they don't affect the deer. So I cross that far left side way past the ass. I climb up and this is where I screw up. I get as far as I can, drop my boots, put my socks on. I'm coming over and I can see the deer. And, uh, He's at that time 54 yards and I can't climb higher and I'm, I'm at the same level he is. And I'm like, okay, I should probably go back and get my boots, but they were so far. I'm like, okay, just keep creeping on this trail and the deer's not looking, the deer's not looking. I get to 43 or 38, I can't remember, and the a, a forked horn that's with him stands up and it's maybe... 28 to 32 or I don't know not it's close but the big buck now the forked horn he's too young and dumb to know exactly what's going on but the big one's caught on and he stands up as a big three by four and he's looking around and it looked how like how far is he at from at that point 38 41 I mean close close enough and and I'm on a side hill and I'm looking and I'm I'm computing can I get an arrow where this tree is at because he's behind this tree um, which I'm sure I'll get bashed for this from the ethics police, but I make the judgment call. I'm going to give it a whirl. I think I can get it in there. <laughs> and uh, I, I release a clean shot, and I hit the, the tree branch that because um, of the arc. Yeah. So if that tree branch was another yard farther away, I would have dropped right in. Um, but I ended up hitting it, just waylaid the tree branch. The deer runs off, and I'm on a 45-degree slope now. The deer runs 20 yards over top of me and stops. I'm trying to reload an arrow. <laughs> but as you can imagine, my right leg may only be, you know, it's so far down compared to my left leg now. My left leg, like hands and knees, I'm trying to reload an arrow and get a shot. The buck doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know I'm there. Yeah. He, he runs above me, and I'm sure these guys are like, what are you doing, dude? Shoot. I can't. It's so steep. I can't get my bow drawn. And I, I go to draw, you know, my, my bow. But it's so steep, I'm hitting my left leg with my bow, my string. And then it runs off, shits on my dreams. I hike back. (laughs) So I get back. These guys are laughing. And they're like, dude, you were in tight. What happened? And I'm like, dude, traditional archery happened. I'm like, I mean, those deer would be deader than shit with a compound. I was like, there's just certain things. One, the distance, right? 40 yards, 38 yards, a far shot. Um, And again, I'm sure I'll get bashed for that, but whatever. And then it runs to 20 and it's so steep. As you can imagine, my left leg is up high and I'm planted with my right and I go to draw and I hit above my knee with my string. So we get back and I was like, Wesley, what's up? He's like, oh, 
or I forgot. I left part of this out. Before I went on that stock, I dropped into the canyons. The first thing in the morning, I spotted that big four by four in a forky. Yeah. Wesley, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go try and kill that. Because Wesley's still after that other buck. I dropped down. And, of course, the forky is at like 22 yards feet and dumber than <laughs> hell. And the big four is at 48. So I got to pull out, right? I can't, I can't hit the. I mean, I thought about taking a shot at that, but just the angle and everything else just wasn't a good idea. So the 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 forky is gets to live to see another day, um, and it's that same goofy fork, that yeah. big tall one, yep. that one that you spotted yet day before yesterday. Yeah. So I climb back out of there, um, and Wesley watched those bucks go in bed, and. Uh, I was like, dude, I had trouble not shooting that stupid fork, man. He was just begging for it. So when I come back after my stock, he's like, well, Omnice talked me into going to shoot this buck, this this other buck. And I'm like, oh, because he's got to get out of there pretty quick. Yeah. So there ends up being like 10 bucks, 8 bucks with it on that far crevice. So he makes an insane stock and he comes down. This is supposed to be my day of rest. Yeah. He shoot, And I've already went on two stocks into the hole. And so, and Wesley shoots a four by three, um, in that hole. So we got to go down and I help him pack it out. So my day of rest went shit. Um, and I am smoked coming out of that thing with that deer. I mean, I'm tired. Um, and this is what day eight now, probably. Jeez. I don't remember. Day 10. I don't No, I, it wouldn't have been day 10 cause I was um, there. Well, no, no. Day 10 of the trip. Day eight of hunting. Oh. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Day seven. How long? How many days did we hunt? Twelve. No, no, you and I together. Three or four. So that would have been day eight, I guess. Total. Yeah. Eight or nine. I don't know. It goes into a blur. I can't. Yeah. Re- I remember what happened on day five now for me. So I. I <laughs> so let's see. Rewind. I slept. I think I slept in that day um, until about sunup in glass from camp. I ended up going to those cliffs where I screwed up that initial stock on day two. And I located some bucks at the bottom of this small basin there. And it was just a big fork horn and then a, a bunch of smaller bucks in there. And I remember I was texting Dan because Dan wanted to know how the hunt was going. I had cell service. And I'm like, how do you feel about big fork horns? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, what, did you shoot one? I said, no, but there's one in a great spot. I can go stock him. He said, man, you got, you got 10 days left. Um, don't go shoot a fork horn. And again, I'll say that we're not trophy hunters, but if you got the time, I mean, I mean, you might as well try for something a little bit bigger. But uh, yeah, that was kind of how day five went for me. I just remember texting Dan. He was like, dude, are you fucking stupid? You have 10 days. You don't have to go shoot the first thing you see. Um, so that's how that kind of went. But um, yeah, fast forwarding, I ended up uh, packing up all, most of my gear and getting it up to you. And then uh, that following day after I got all the meat up there, I went and grabbed the rest of it. Um which was pretty nice. Like I was saying, man, we hadn't seen, hadn't seen another person for seven or eight days and had limited communication with the Delorme and then some cell service. So, uh, it was kind of nice to see, uh, to see a familiar face or see anybody at all and talk to somebody. But, um, I remember that you had some crackers yeah. and I was like, Oh shit, crackers. <laughs> I remember crackers <laughs> Threw some crackers in the, in the dinner that we had the humble foods and man, it was so good. I was so happy. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it, speaking of food, my caloric intake was significantly higher than I anticipated because keeping in mind what 
we thought or what I thought would happen where I was and what did happen, I probably told Amy 20 times, good God, I hope people don't scare all the deer and I have to stock them in that hole. Every stock was in the hell hole, yeah. everyone. Um, and so climbing out of that hole, which is, you figure probably between eight and 1200 foot of a drop and then another six to 1200 foot of a climb. And then you got to come back. Um, so plus everything else you're going through or whatever. So I, you know, whatever I was taking in way more food than I thought. So at, at this time now, um, I don't think I went on any other stocks, um, after that. No, I did. I stalked way to the far, far left towards you. By myself, I walked way over there. And, you know, another, it was a good four point. I mean, like a 170, 180, four point. Um, you know what? There was a stock in there. There was that big 190 buck, too, was on that far side. I'm missing a few here, but it doesn't matter. Um, I stalked on a buck in those big crevices in sheep country, and it looked like I'd come out to this rock outcropping and be like 30, 35, and it was like 58 um, from a big buck bedded. Um, and that was another trip down the hole. But, um, you know, keeping in mind at this time, Frank's at camp with me. He's got his buck there. We cooked some tenderloin, uh, built a fire, and I'm coming to the realization that there's a good chance I may not fill a tag. I mean, I'm getting my ass kicked. I'm still in good spirits. I was tired, but, I mean, I was happy. It had been a good hunt, but I'm like, you know what? Frank, we're going to have to start splitting up food and come up with a plan on how long we can stay. And we talked about we'd stay two more days and then hike out, um, shower, and then come back in. And then um, we came up with we'll stay two more days and we'll just go back home and then maybe come back in. And so we got two days left and the second to the last day um, – I dropped in on that four point and that little four by four, the big four point and little four by four. And these bucks were tuned up. Um, they blew out, I think, from seeing me 200 yards away. They caught a glimpse of me, maybe. Um, they that, might have I think that me. was your calves. Yeah, I had my <laughs> pants rolled up. <laughs> I think there were some hikers also that were making some noise. They kind of got them on edge. And then the wind was, with those storms, man, you'd, You'd go in on a stock, the wind was good, and then all of a sudden a storm would blow in out of nowhere and the wind would just freaking get all swirly. Yep. So we'll go to the last day. We've had backstrap or tenderloin. I got to say, that was rejuvenating. Yes, it was. Fresh meat. We probably ate, God, we probably ate about 10 pounds of backstrap and tenderloin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, brought, I had brought uh, olive oil. Um you know, and we were, we finally did, I did some uploads there. I hadn't been, you know, uh, uploading and, uh, I think I'd said I'd missed a few times and, you know, I never had to, I, I keep my, I was still in a really good mood. I just, I never had one just bedded at 20, 30 yards or, or less. I never had a good opportunity. I'm not complaining. I had opportunities, but here we are, Frank spots, the three by three, the last day at, well, I remember you looked at me, you were like, dude. It is perfect approachable position. It's probably a mile, yeah, probably a mile away. Yeah, a mile across the across the basin there. Um, in a in a in cave. cave. Yeah, some shit you would see on like some hunting TV show in a cave. Something you just it looked like something you'd see like on a a painting of a mule deer. Yeah, super cool. Just look up there. He's bedded in a, in a rock outcropping, basically a cave, and uh, 
And he this is the three by three that's the riding dog of the wide buck. Yeah. They were partners all summer long. Um, Wesley hit that wide buck. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a different podcast with Wesley. They were together the entire time, and I I wanted to go on an approach on that big wide buck, but he's or that that three by three, four other times during the season. Be smart. He doesn't bed in spots you can kill him. Um, he was always in those cliffs, so he's he slipped up. He's in the cave, and I drop a lot of my gear. I got my pack. And I climb all the way over there, and Frank is watching, flagging me into the right. I go too far. He flags me back to the you left. You said, before I climb this hill, get the game back and walk back and forth if he's still in the same spot. I probably look like a freaking idiot. You did. It was funny. So you figure you got the trail over there is probably 30 minutes, 40 minutes yeah. to get to this climb. And then that climb is a sheer vertical I mean, not sheer. It is steeper than the backside of hell for 400 yards. Yeah, if anybody's watched your Instagram from the summer, it's the same hill that that bear went up. Yep. And that bear, first of all, that bear must have been huge because that hill, when you get over there, when I watch you from yeah. across, you look like a freaking ant. That bear looked huge. Yeah, it did look huge. It looked like a car. And that bear made that thing its bitch. Like, it went straight up, that thing. That's a four-breaker for me. At uh, least a yeah. four-breaker. <laughs> Because I, when I got up there, um, I was like, "God, that thing is steep." <laughs> and you went down the narrow, you went down the lower side. Yeah, the lower, like half half of it. So I I go up this cliff. Um, Frank tells me it's there. He flags me in. I'm above it, and I can see Frank giving me the straightforward sign. And I'm front of this like spire pinnacle thing. I climb out on this spire, and you're giving me the field goal, like the it's right there, it's right there, and I can't see it. But I know where it was, and when we left, you told me, do not forget the two dead trees. It is bedded side, but the two dead trees. So I'm out on this. It's steeper than shit. Like, drop off on both sides. It's about a foot, foot and a half wide. I climb way out on this crazy-ass cliff, and there's freaking peregrine falcons dive-bombing me. <laughs> the wind is howling. And I can see you pointing down, and I, you said you could see me hold my hands out. Like, dude, where's it at? So... I'm waiting. I got an arrow knocked and I range everything around and it's 18 yards to where I think the deer is. And I don't know if it, it got a whiff of me or it had that sixth sense, but he didn't get up and feed around like the plan was. He blew straight out of his bed to what I had assumed was 44 yards from my ranging. And 44 yards, I can shoot well inside of a paper plate. I thought, all right, I'm going to take the shot. I shoot, um, my point on's about 40. I had the broadhead just over him. And, uh, you said I shot right under him. I didn't see. Yeah. I and, uh, so obviously I'm bummed. I'm not happy. The weather's coming in. I'm tired. So I hike all the way back and I'm like, dude, let's just get out of here tomorrow morning. Um, pack your buck out and maybe we'll come back in. And we weren't a hundred percent sure we were coming back. I was getting to the point where I'm like, man, I may not feel my deer tag. So we um, get everything loaded up the next morning. We had backstrap that night mm -hmm. um, and made the hike out, which Omni and, and Steve headed out the same time. They were cool enough to give us a ride back to the truck because we went out a different way. Yeah. Yeah, that stock, man, that was like a textbook stock. You were right above it, right when you got above it and you went, what the F, where's the deer? He stood up and he was looking. And he must have either heard something or the wind, and then he wheeled out, like you said, and you shot under him. And I was that was like such a heartbreaker because I knew that you were like, 
Because like you'd been on so many stocks, and I was, I thought this was the one. Like this is the, this is the stock, and um, yeah, that was that was a tough one. I can only imagine how it was for you. But I was just like thinking, dang man, that sucks. Well, to be, um, I mean, I had good spirits, but to have one to pass up, I don't know how many small deer to have that many deer, well within my old range. <laughs> Right. And then now not really having not that one opportunity that that gave me like that was the opportunity I really wanted was just a cliff shot. Um, nothing rushed. And then it kind of get crapped on. Um, I mean, it's, it was definitely testing. Um, not to say make myself sound um, more hard headed than maybe I am, but I I don't think a lot of people are prepared for that to type of failure and keep going. Um, I think most people between the physical, how many people are going to drop into that hole, blow a stock or miss a shot and then do it again and again, or sit there in glass the next day for 12 hours. It was mentally grinding on me, I guess is what I'm getting at. And so we've been in the field 12 days, uh, 10 of hunting. I hadn't gotten it done. You did. It's like, Hey, let's get out, take the meat back. So, pretty much to drive back we planned on antelope hunting a couple days and heading back in yeah Um, yeah we were both in i think we're both in good spirits about coming back um i think another good thing to think about is when you're up there and you're having a shitty hunting day it's i mean it's definitely a lot better i think there's people say this all the time a bad day hunting is better than any day a good day at work seriously thinking about that we could either be up there hunting or we could be back at the office or something doing work where we'd want to be up hunting. So um, I, just, I, I wanted to get back up there. I really wanted you to kill a deer. And, yeah, we planned to go antelope hunting. Well, what, we, did, if, what did I tell you? I said, dude, if we don't go back in there and if I don't kill a deer, this shit is going to haunt me the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, I yeah, I really wanted to get back up there with you and see if we can get back on the deer. So we planned to go antelope hunting, and uh, that was basically a shit show for both of us. Yeah. I made it about two, two and a half hours <laughs> on the road in my uh, – my ball joint broke off the bolt that goes to the ball joint broke off my upper control arm and uh i was stranded on the side of the road for probably a solid 10 hours <laughs> um i gotta say thank you to zach and clinton my buddies from back home they uh they actually came from back home with a trailer it took us a little bit of time to figure out how to get on the trailer because it was just wide enough to get on there they took me back up here to denver and uh took my truck over to japanese auto um here with ross uh ross fixed fixed my upper control arm through a new uh upper control arm on there and i was good to go and then you had a, a bit of a fiasco on your way back from antelope hunting didn't you oh uh, yeah yeah so i get out with um alex nestor the big ginger uh, eastern colorado outfitters we get within 60 yards of four different antelope and he ain't happy like he even <laughs> posted up on his st- story you can hear him tell call my bow a piece of shit, and he's like, he said, I really missed though. We just got to get to 110 yards, Aaron Snyder, because now I got to get within 40. So, about we on about half the day, and a storm comes in, and I mean lightning, a storm. So I'm driving back on I-70, and uh, a dude swerves into me and clips the front right side passenger side of my bumper. <laughs> And destroys his car, right? I have a giant cow-killing bumper. That bumper is thick, and it bent the bumper. Yeah. So here's where I think 
Well, I'm trying to stay calm because the dude hits me. So roadside assistance comes. I call the police. And a roadside assistant says, well, you guys can leave because it's on the front of your car and the back of his. It'll be your fault. And I'm trying not to scream at the roadside assistance guy, but I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> I was like, does that look like a front impact to you? And I'm grabbing him. I'm like, look at that. And he was like, well, actually, you've got a point. It's bent from right to left. And I was like, how is it my fault if this ass clown swerved into me? And I'm like... I can't stop myself when he swerves over, right? Like, it's not like I saw brake lights. The asshole just swerved over. Were you, like, in his blind spot and he was switching lanes? That's what it looked like to me. Yeah. And you can see the streaks are going from right to left. It's not like a front-to-back streak on my bumper. It's right to left where he swerved over. Right. Um, So... The dude doesn't speak like super good English and I'm trying to convey to him like I need to see your insurance and I mean he spoke okay English. I just wanted to make sure everything was clear. I had him take pictures of my insurance, my driver's license, you know, everything else and the roadside assistance guy, I'm like, are you shit? So I call my insurance and I let him know what goes on and they were like, well... They're going to have to fight it out, the two insurance companies. I was like, and I'm trying to be nice to the lady. I'm like, look, ma'am, I don't know what I need to do, but this is bullshit. This guy hit me. And I'm like, the bumper will show it. <laughs> and she's like, hey, look, you can leave the scene if you guys, you know, whatever info, take some photos. Now, his car is fucked up like a football bat. It blew his rear window out because of the side. My what? bumper was, what was even he driving? Like his mirror, like a Subaru looking Hyundai thing. Like a little SUV, like an Outback, but it wasn't an Outback. So his rear window is equal even with my bumper. So it smashed all that shit to the side. Like it pushed it all over to the right. This is why I think insurance will figure out pretty quick. Like it's pretty blatantly swerved into me. So I drive, I call Amy. We're by the dog chow factory, which is not a place to be in a wreck yeah, on I-70. Yeah, smells like shit over there too. Well, and traffic's backed up. People are honking at us. So... My truck looks fine. It's bent. The bumper's bent a little. You can hardly tell, and there's some white streaks on it. So we go back. Did we go the day after that or the day after that? Uh, The next two days after that, I think. So we load up gear, six, seven days of food, and I I message Gabrio, and I'm like, hey, bro, we may be a day or two late to Montana or more. We're going back in. And, and at this time, now, you and I mentioned to you, it was funny because even my mom's like, what happened? And I'm like, what do you mean what happened? She's like, you didn't get one. I'm like, well, it's hunting, mom. I'm like, I, you know, I'm make, not making excuses. I, I got a recurve. Like, shit just doesn't fall the fuck over when I go into the woods, right? Like, yeah. it takes effort. And then, uh, I mean, it was, I think you saw, like, Lander messaged you. <laughs> How's Aaron handling the pressure? And it's like, it's not pressure for God's sake. It's just, I've tried and it's not working out. Like, people are messaging, like, what's going on? Adam Tangsrud, dude, what happened? I'm like, what the fuck do you mean, what happened, man? They don't just fall over. Like, I mean, I, shit happens. And I think it, people got used to things just tipping over every time I went out in the woods. And I'm like, look, it's been difficult. I've had some opportunities, but no gimmies by any means. And I was laughing, telling you, I'm like, dude, I should have shot one of the 15 forkies or three points to just put something on the damn ground so people would shut up. I was like, holy cow. I was, I mean, I wasn't mad. I was more laughing at it like, okay. 
I guess it's just a preconceived notion that something's going to die when I go out in the woods. And I was telling you, I'm like, dude, well, I don't know how many times I bring it up. Yeah, no, it was quite a few. Oh, people, yeah, people are contacting me. What, how, yeah, what happened with Aaron? Why didn't he kill him? I think you're just you were so automatic for as you know with a compound. People just assumed it was going to be just as easy, which. For me watching, good Lord, man, I mean, maybe one day I'll try it again with a stick bow, but that looked like a uh, definitely a, a very a big test of of uh, your persistence. I think that would be a good a good title for, for your hunt, especially persistence and determination because there wasn't any quit in you, that's for sure, because we definitely wanted to go back. Well, I think people need to understand that um, what I have done, been over on day one with a compound, yeah, I first morning in the first four hours i would have had a one mid 160s buck on the ground not guaranteed i miss but probably um but it it is not as rewarding for me with the compound i like maybe not to put quite that much effort in but i like to put the effort in that was a little bit more than i had bargained for maybe you should shoot a compound without a sight (laughs) (laughs) jesus i well the whole reason I shoot the stick bow is the challenge, but there's also that that variable of you may not get something. And yeah. what I was amazed with is how many people messaged like, Lander, is the pressure getting to you? <laughs> no, it's not the fucking pressure, you asshole. And then, well, I mean, is it? I was just waiting for a photo. I just, I never, I, I was waiting and I didn't see a photo and I thought, man, what's going on? Is there something wrong? And I'm like, yeah, archery happened recurve happened like it's just not a gimme but all you can do is just keep after it there's a reason why the season's 30 days long or however (laughs) long it is oh well yeah and i mean with a compound it's not a guarantee plus all those what was my area reduced was reduced by 70 percent of everything well i say that i wasn't going to be a dick to omni he was hunting one side yeah and i I left that alone because he kind of left my side alone wesley and steve and i kind of split back and forth and these aren't excuses. This is just hunting. But I, I did get a kick out of it to a laughing point. I told Amy, I was like, good God, the animals just don't fall over. Like it takes a lot of effort. And I tell you, like the mental constitution for me, like I just you know, was like, all right, one, it's going to happen. I mean, eventually I'm going to – it's going to happen. I mean, it has to happen. I've put too much effort into this. So we load back up with six – I guess six or seven days a year, roughly. Of course, mm-hmm. the way we eat, six turns into three. But um, we hiked back in and uh, – Well, first of all, we knew this was going to be a good trip because when we got to the parking area, <laughs> the last time when we left, I laid my tent out to dry because it was raining. And by the time we got back to the truck, it was sunny. And we got there and I was thinking, damn, I lost this Hilleberg. It's like a $700 Hilleberg tent. We get there and my tent's laying there still in the same so spot where I left it. We we leave the truck basic or the tent at the the tent we pull everything out at the trailhead, lay it beside the truck to dry. Right. Frank did not throw it back in the truck. We drive home. It sits six days, right? Yeah. In the same spot. It's still there when we get back. Nobody even touched it. Yeah. They probably didn't take it because it did I took the poles. I had the poles and I had the stakes. When we got back home, I said, hey, dude, you have my tarp or my tent? And you're like, no, why would I have your tent? I'm like, because I laid it next to yours. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, no, you didn't. And the first thing we pulled up, he's like, I fucking told you it was beside yours because it was laying on my side of the truck. Yeah. So, 
And anyway, we get there, tents laying there. I'm like, this is going to be an awesome trip, man. Great omen. And uh, yeah, go ahead. So, well, the other thing too, I switched quivers. I have a lucky quiver from Selway. And I switched quivers before the season a couple weeks to try out a different one. The quiver I switched to was awesome. It's an amazing quiver. But I'm an extremely superstitious guy. And I told Amy when I got back, I'm like, I'm putting the lucky quiver back on. I need some mojo here. Like, And I wore that, my icebreaker shirt, that gray one. Dude, I had that on when, dude, in 2013 or 14, <laughs> I've had that shirt. So I brought the lucky icebreaker shirt and the lucky quivers back on. And we'll do a podcast after this with a gear list of what we brought. But um, so we go back in. But we got one problem. Frank's got diarrhea, streptococcus Not diarrhea, my stomach. <laughs> Something. We, we ate sushi. I ate sushi at Whole Foods, which I'll probably never do again. Usually their sushi is money. This time it didn't taste right. I still ate it. And, uh, man, I've been ha- I had like these gnarly freaking stomach cramps. Almost felt like, like I needed a poo, but I couldn't. Um, so it wasn't the – I wasn't – pooing out too much. I just wasn't pooing at all hardly. And, um, yeah, I had a gnarly friggin' stomach cramps on the way in, way there and, uh, on the hike in. And, um, yeah, basically it happened the whole time we were there, I guess. It still kind of hurts a little bit, but I'm feeling a little bit better. Now, Frank, keep in mind, Frank is, doesn't complain much and I could see him like gritting his teeth from pain. So, I knew he was in in some pain. So I would like lay there and I'm like, (laughs) and you're like, are you all right? I'm like, I'm good, man. (laughs) You're like, I need to poop. You kept talking about that. So we get back in and there's a guy camping where I camp. So we camp in a different spot and it was actually awkward. We get in late. What's today? Tuesday. So late Sunday. Yeah. We get in late Sunday. Wait. No, Saturday. Saturday. Late Saturday. We climb up on the hill, and the guy just kind of looks at us. Frank waves. He doesn't wave back. He's kind of just wandering around his tent glassing. We're not 100% sure what's going on. And then we look, and there's four other tents around us. Like, And, and I'm like, good Lord, this is not what I'd hoped for. It's muzzleloader season now. There's archers and muzzleloaders. So Frank and I don't want to give up the goods of where we're glassing, so we kind of hide out. And we spot one deer in the wrong area. Not in the wrong area, but meaning not where we are anticipating. Yeah. And he's far away. Yeah. So it's a buck that I had seen. Um, I actually saw that buck two days before season. The first night we got there, big big four point with a sp- split brow tine on this right side. He's probably, what, two and a half miles from us. Yeah, great, um, great buck. So we go back, uh, get to bed. Um, I brought a sli- different sleeping pad this time, which did not pan out for me quite as well. Um Get up the next morning, you're hurting. Frank's fucked up. Um, (laughs) We climb up. I climb down to the lower glassing point. You're on the higher one. You spot the three by three, and I spot the wide buck. Only two deer we see. Now, it's dark when we get up there. What we realize, because I climb back up to Frank, is everyone's watching us, and I'm not shitting you, to see where we're glassing. So we're having a fucking glass shit that's not even there and pretend like we're looking at deer in the wrong spot that have no deer. And 
to confirm that these people were copying us on our test, like in school, uh, as soon as we would point in one direction, we could watch and we'd we'd flip 90 degrees and sure shit, then they're glassing in the same direction we're looking. <laughs> so we're nervous now, right? But I got to say, this is where we packed in 10s, 15s, and a 95. This is where optics come into play because I don't think anybody that if you didn't know what you were doing and how to glass, you would not have spotted the deer that we ended up killing. Um, I think one thing that gets overlooked a ton is putting your binos on a tripod, man. I see a lot of pictures of people on Instagram and Facebook always just barehanded binos. Yeah. I think I spot probably 90% of the animals that I see initially with the binos on the tripod. Yeah. And then, you know, when well, you want to take a closer look, then you bust out your spotter. And then if you don't see anything at first with your with your um, binos on the tripod when you're gridding, then you grid it out with your spotter. And I actually opted to bring 15s because I really, really prefer glassing off 15s off a tripod, even more so than 10s or a spotter. I just like the 15s. So we've got two bucks spotted, the wide buck and the three by three. Both of them are old deer and both of them we want to die. Frank is about to die and a storm comes in. And so we haul ass to the tents and hide in the tent. Now, I don't know how much pain Frank was in, but when it stopped raining, I said, Frank, I'm going to go glass. And you were like, okay, I'm going to lay here for a while. <laughs> and I, you just, I was like pain. laying on my side in the fetal position. Like, I'm going to grab the spotter. You need anything? I'm like, I'm good for now. <laughs> so I get back up on the hill. The sun's coming out. So I know when the sun hits these bucks, I got to be on them. But the fucking problem is these ass clowns watching me glass. So this is what's funny. I take the spotter on one tripod, point it the wrong way, and then I hide where I am glassing the other way. <laughs> and so I'm I'm behind a boulder, like MacGyver in it, hiding behind this boulder glassing this buck. So Frank comes up. And we whisper back and forth, and I'm like, get on that spotter. And he's like, all right, what do you see? I'm like, I don't see shit, but just keep looking in that direction. So Frank is glassing <laughs> a basin that doesn't have anything in it. But he's playing it up, like pointing to me, pointing in the basin. And you can see these guys that are glassing probably from 400 yards, eh, 400 yards, 450 yards and in from us, these different hunters. They're looking to find what we're looking at but we ain't looking at shit. The deer is the other way. So what Frank does is I leave, we come up with a plan to get on this deer um, or these deer. We point most of the optics in the wrong direction because I leave the 15s and tripod. I went to camp and I dropped off my rain gear, left you my camera, pretty much grabbed mission, mission essential gear only to make this freaking trek over to where these deer are. So I get to the other side and I put my, it takes me a while because what we thought I could come down, I could not come down and because it's too steep. So I put my stocking socks on, leave my pack. And in the first 15 yards, my freaking feet pop through the front <laughs> of my stocking socks. And, but luckily it rained. And so it was that red chalky stuff and I'm able to dig my heel in and come down. And when I was making the approach 30 yards to my left, when I was trying to figure out a way down, I spotted the wide buck mm -hmm. and I knew where the other buck was, or I thought I did. And then you confirmed it when I got to where my approach was and I'm like, okay, 
we had talked about this red cone as my 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 god that's my my pinnacle point i need to pay attention to because the buck is below that the wide buck is to the right and low of him and i've got plenty of cover so i got to stay behind this pinnacle so i get down to 34 yards which looked like 60 from where you were it looked it looked really far and i was thinking is he gonna shoot from there holy well, shit how many times did i range it quite a few <laughs> it was far and i'm i'm trying we filmed part of this and i'm trying to switch from the spotter on one tripod i got the camera on the other tripod and i got my binos i'm trying to switch between the three to make sure i still got you on the film and i'm trying to look at you in the spotter and have the deer in the spotter at the same time and then i see you kind of get into position to shoot and i'm like thinking holy shit he can't get any closer than that but when i got over there i could tell it was super steep and there wasn't any cover beyond where you where you shot from initially well, it was 47 degrees is how steep it was. Yeah, crazy um, steep. So, but the thing is, is I'm thinking the same thing Frank is. When I get down there and I see this deer bedded, I range it and it says it was 34, 36 after the cut. And I, I don't, I think the cut was 12 yards or something crazy. But I range it and I'm like, no, no fucking way. Range it again. And I'm like, I'm hitting shit. Like there's no way. I range it again. I probably ranged it seven times total. And, I, and, and I'm to the point where I'm ranging the tree, the branches in front of them, and I'm like, well, that's two yards less. It's It's got to be right. So I uh, I go to stand up. I'm like, I could sneak an arrow in there. I'm going to take the shot. Now, the big buck is 44 or 48 yards, the wi- 48 yards, or the wide buck. Now, the one thing I discovered looking at this deer in my binos are the bases on the one I killed are huge it's an old deer older than we i thought i thought it was four i think it didn't have much teeth i think it was actually five so i stand up i go to draw and i am shaking like a cat shit and razor blades whether it's the fact my calves are burning i'm on a 45 degree slope and the deer's below me whatever the combination was it did it was not conducive <laughs> to a good shot so i let back down and i'm like I am not going to be able to pull a shot if I got to dig out. So I, I pull the baseball player move, and I'm. I, did you see me tamping my mm-hmm. foot? I'm, I'm pushing the ground in to get a better shot. It's such a steep high left to low right angle. I know I'm going to be canting my bow even more, so I've got to aim left. So get to full draw, let her rip, clicker goes off, arrows. I'm thinking I got a dead buck. It hits a branch, the ones I was worried about, which if you've paid attention on the feed, on the Insta story, it landed between its freaking leg and its body. We're talking like two inches from victory, three inches, whatever. And I'm like, cock or spaniel, fuck. <laughs> the deer stands up. But it doesn't blow out. Now, Frank is watching this, and he doesn't know if I shot or not. I think he thought I shot. I knew you shot. I wasn't sure. I thought you I thought you shot, and I thought you hit him because you shot, and the deer just stands up out of its bed. I'm thinking, man, he's going to get wobbly-legged here in a second. He's just going to fall. And the deer stands there for a long time, just stands there, and he's looking out into the basin. He, he clearly didn't know what, what just happened. And that boat's quiet. And you kind of – yeah, the boat's super quiet, so – I mean, I'm sure he thought it was a, a bird flying by or flying into the Brain trees or something. Or whatever, yeah. And uh, you stood there for a sec, and he stood there. And, and I he, was I was waiting to hear if it blew out. Yeah, and he so he he kind of took a step forward, and then I thought, and then he kind of he circled back, 
and it looked like he was going to re-bed. And I just saw him kind of uh, put his head down. He smelt the arrow. And that's when he got a little a little worried. Yeah. yeah. And at that at this time when he's smelling the arrow, you're kind of working your way down slowly, but it's super steep. And uh, the deer takes a couple steps out. He's I think at this point he's behind a big rock where you can't see him. And then he takes a few more steps out. And at this point I can't tell, but the deer is standing probably 20 yards below you, and you're looking at the trees. And I guess you probably couldn't see him anyway because he was so steep and he was he was kind of tucked in. But I, I I know he's gonna come out left or right. Yeah. And and I'm and I'm looking right. I'm looking left. One of the reasons I kept looking right is that big buck hadn't moved. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I may have shot it to three by three, but I'll kill the four by four. Right. Yeah. Like that's probably one of the reasons I kept looking right. <laughs> but Frank's yelling at the camera. Yeah, it's all it's all on camera. I'm like. Dude, fucking look up. Look up. Because you're looking. I guess I basically meant look down. Down, yeah. I just kept saying, look, look up, look up. Good God, man, just look up. And uh, at this point, the deer just kind of, he doesn't run really. He no, kind of trots. Walks. Yeah, he kind of yeah. walks or fast walks well, he, down. He walked when I saw him. You probably saw him trot. He kind of walks down into that wash. and pro- I, I'm not sure if he shot him when he was in the wash or if he got he, into the willows. He was in. So when he went into the wash is when I saw him. And I had come probably, what, 12 yards closer. Yeah. So now I've closed the distance quite a bit. He goes in that wash and he's walking. And I'm like, surely he's going to stop on that hillside. And 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 I almost grabbed the rangefinder to range him. And I'm like, man, I do not have time. And as soon as he stopped, I was like 30-something, you know, and uh, drew back. And at that point in time, I was on a fucking finally a flat spot, <laughs> yeah. right? So – I've got my bow canted like it normally is canted. I'm feeling confident. It was almost like a stress reliever when I missed. Click and I shoot. And I didn't, I watched on the video earlier today. I mean, I pinwheeled, smoked him, cornering away. And, you know, that I mean, anyone who's hunted, your eyes see what they want to sometimes. Yeah, and you can imagine true. a hell of a lot better hit. But it looked to me like it was a perfect 12 ring broadside shot. It hit and he bucked and, but the problem was he went straight into the willows and I just stood there and I, again, you see what you want to see and you hear what you want to hear. But I, I thought, which we found out later, probably I heard him go and fall. I'm like, okay, that buck is dead. That buck is dead. So I break out the inReach. I turn it on and I message you and I'm like, dude, I'm pretty sure that buck's dead. And you probably messaged at the same time, did you get him? He looked pretty – it said ducked up. He looked pretty ducked <laughs> up when he took off. And uh, and I said – so, all right. So Freaking I go, autocorrect. Yeah. <laughs> so I go down, do some video, grab my arrow. I'm trying to stay calm. I don't want to blow him out. But I'm like, man, it looked like I crushed him. So I go over to where he was and I put a stick in the ground and I flag it. And I'm not a big fan of you know leaving 400 pounds of ribbon everywhere. So I'm like, I'll flag it where I hit him. And I'm going to go to the path I think he took and try and find blood. I didn't find any blood. Uh, turns out I was on the wrong path. So I go over and I keep getting this crazy whiff of mule deer. And I'm like, he has got to be below me. And I could hear boulders fall. He went into a, like a creek drainage. So yeah. I actually passed where he was. And I'm like, I'm going to leave my bow and my, my, um, pa- or my pack here kind of as an A to B. And I'm going to just go back and go in each one of these drainages. And there's going to be blood in one of them. 
As it turns out, he took a right way faster than I thought. I lost him in the willows. He hit the first drainage. So I go to the first one that's closest to me now where I've gone to. No blood. Second one, no blood. And I'm getting nervous now. I'm like, I'm I'm not shooting a trad bow anymore if I didn't kill this buck. I can't take this. This is like there's all kinds of stuff (laughs) going through my mind. Like this anxiety is horrible. And I get to the next one and I see blood all over the willows. And a few feet down, there's a giant pool of lung blood. And I'm like, okay. So I flag that, go back, grab my pack, um, and then I get back, and he was only 30 yards down from there. I couldn't see, so I go down, and then there's the buck, and I'm like, oh, good Lord, because you had to go a long ways to get to me. Yeah. And uh, and it, what was crazy, well, go ahead. I was kicking myself because I, I, had, I had you guys both in the camera, and I'm trying to watch my binos and switch back to the spotter. And when you shot him, when you actually, when you shot him the second, the shot the second time and hit him, I lost him because of the because that ninety five so zoomed in. He ran out of those. He ran into those willows. I I was pretty sure you hit him pretty solid. He looked like he was running like he was like it was like a last death run. I was kicking myself because I lost track of him in those willows. Like dude, I I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't figure out where he went. And that's basically what I told you is I I'm pretty sure you got him, but I'm not quite sure. And then uh, I just said I was going to head over there, and you said bring bring the camera. Bring the can. I think all you said was bring the camera. Oh, my rain gear. I said because there was a storm. Yeah, bring camera and rain gear. And I'm that, like, surely he killed it then. When I shot that buck, the weather was bad. Yeah, it, it was like sleeting and mm. lightning and thunder was going off. It was crazy. Yeah, so I I went back to camp, dropped off the spotter, tripod, and all the non-essential stuff. Grabbed your rain jacket and uh, headed over there. But I was, still, at that point, I hadn't talked to you um, on the messenger, so I was pretty sure you killed it, but I wasn't like positive. Yeah. So I got up there and I kind of whistled for you and you're like, I'm down here. He's down here. And I was like, hell yeah, which was pretty awesome. I talk about like, uh, I mean, by far the hardest I've ever worked for an animal um, and definitely my most memorable. I mean, that that deer had three arrows shot at it. Um, That was a that buck is old. It's got insane bases. you know, just the effort put into it. And then actually having you there was even cooler because obviously the first hunt part of the hunt, we, you know, we were apart. And then just the way it all panned out. And then, what you know, what's crazy, um, you know, I had Valkyrie, this Valkyrie system on the shorty titanium shank. And we, we I was going back and forth as far as broadheads. I had cutthroats, iron wheels, and the Valkyries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, which we're going to do a podcast later today with Brian Broderick, we started shooting those day six arrows and I was amazed because that arrow didn't break. So that arrow I find full where it come back out, right? It's laying in, in that Creek bed. And, um, I go down and I see that I've, I pinwheeled the buck and it just poked through the opposite side and we're not paying that much of attention at the time. So we get down there and we're talking and it actually broke the offside leg and shoulder. Demolished it in half right so we couldn't prop it up on its front leg because it was an l angle it broke it um and uh you know the arrow i couldn't believe didn't break either so we take some photos and you know we get all that stuff done and we start cutting it apart and it looked like a rifle shot on that offside leg on the the onside i basically shot right in that golden triangle or just a hair back from it the offside went straight into the the leg knuckle bone or whatever and blew that apart it is and when that's why he looks so screwed up he couldn't use that leg Mm -hmm. um which was super cool we took photos of it or whatever um 
you know, that, that, that front shoulder, um, what the damage it did to it. So we got it all cut up, made that wonderful journey back out of the hole to the, uh, camp and it was cold that night so we laid out the meat let everything cool out and then packed out the next day yeah yeah that was a cool experience man yeah yeah it was kind of cool i hope the video turns out pretty good it was so far away you look like a speck there but you can kind of see what was going on so hopefully that turns out but yeah i couldn't have been happier to be to be there and when you finally got her done there (laughs) oh yeah you talk about persistence and i mean a lot of people commented on you know, not quitting. And I mean, that is one thing that you hear, we hear all the time, guys, um, you know, going in on a seven or 10 day hunt and coming out early and, and you just, I mean, I'm not a motivational speaker and Frank sucks just as much, if not worse than I do about (laughs) this, but it, you just don't give up. Just keep going. Like it only takes, well, I was messaging Randy cooling back and forth and, and Lander, um, a bit and Lander, he was just asking, you know, cooling, you know, as far as like motivational guy, he's been there, done that, right? He shot a stick forever. So is Lander. But, you know, Randy was like, hey, man, it only takes five seconds to become a hero. Just stay in it and get one on the ground. Um, and when we came out, you know, I told him, I said, well, we're going to go back in. He's like, well, just stay with it, man. You'll make it happen. So it was, it was cool to finally have it pan out and you can see me I put my raise my bow over my head on the video after I hit it and I had to sit down because I my legs were shaking one from the adrenaline two because it was a freaking 45 degree <laughs> slope and I'd find like good lord I finally got it done that was way more effort you know than I thought I'd have to put into it but you stick with it and I mean anything can happen yeah staying persistent is huge I also think just having backup plans and stuff like that, because we, if it wasn't going to work out there, we had a plan to go into some different spots. So I think being determined, knowing, knowing going into it and having a goal in mind and, and sticking with it and not giving up, the only way we were going to come out, obviously the first time we just ran out of food, we didn't have enough food and we had to come out. So we knew we wanted to come back. Um, I really wanted you to kill a deer back there and it worked out. So it was awesome. Yeah. So when we were back, I had to go to urgent care, um, because my hands were so swollen <laughs> and had this fungus. So I got steroid cream for my hands. I got antibiotics for the infection. It looks like I've got like a little mouth or baby vagina growing off the side of my hand. I think that hand. was your plan. You cut your hand and you got herpes because <laughs> you were trying to have sex with a little mini vagina on your hand. Oh, Lord. So, yeah, that was great. So now I'm on antibiotics and uh, steroid cream. But um, I think probably we'll – We'll finish this up here in a minute, and then why don't we cover on the next one just gear and yeah. some um, some tech tip stuff? Because, um, well, I mean, for example, yesterday my bow got day before yesterday effed up. Um, I fell off a cliff that dinged it up first. The deer fell because I fell into the deer, and then the bow fell, or the deer fell on top of the bow. And rolled over the top of it. Oh, that was, yeah, it sucked. Um, cut my string. Um, you know, I mean, there's always, you know, issues, but we'll have a gear list and some tech tip podcast, uh, go over like what we used. I had a prototype bag that we used on the first trip. Yeah. Um, and then we had some other gear. A lot of people were asking about the cryptic stuff, the broadheads, the arrows. We'll go over all that in a different podcast. But yeah, I can't thank Frank enough for coming along on the second go around, even with, um, gonorrhea or whatever's wrong with you i can't pass up a mule deer hunt man (laughs) 
So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, all right, well, that that would be the uh, our version of the 12 days of mule deer hunting, I guess. 12 days of mule deer misery and fun. Yeah, yeah, thanks for tuning in.